0: Hello, this is a podcast from SCC English, the English department of St. Columbus College, Dublin, in Ireland. Visit our blog at sccenglish.ie. Hello, this is Julian Gerdam from St. Columbus College in Dublin. This is the SCC English podcast number 10. This is our sixth podcast, revising Macbeth, leading up to the leaving certificate in early June. This week, slightly different This is going to be 10 key quotations. The idea here is that I'll read out a short quotation from the play, and then you can pause your iPod or computer and think who said it and where it came from and what its significance might be. And then when you press go again, you can listen to my comments on the quotation. I haven't chosen any obvious ones here, so there's no fair is foul, foul is fair. The main idea really is to focus you on some key moments of the play. You might think of this as a little bit like a comparative answer, key moments to build your Macbeth essay on. This is an extremely dense play, and to be be honest, almost any line in it can be mined for significance. So these are not necessarily the ten most important quotations, they're just a way of helping you revise and test yourself So perhaps you get a pen and paper, get ready to mark yourself. You might give yourself one mark for getting the name of the person right who speaks the quotation and perhaps another mark for the context of it. But the main thing is to think about the ideas and language of the quotation itself. So here we go. Quotation number one. All is the fear and nothing is the love. As little is the wisdom where the flight so runs against all reason. This was spoken by Lady Macduff in Act 4, Scene 2, and the context is it's her response to Ross, who suggests that they don't know whether it was wisdom or fear for Macduff to leave his family and go to England. Lady Macduff says he loves us not, he wants, meaning lacks, the natural touch. Lady Macduff only appears in this scene, and yet she gives us something special and different. The clear, honest, fearful voice of a real woman and a real mother. After the messenger warns her that savagery is on its way, she says sharply, I remember now, I am in this earthly world, where to do harm sometime is often laudable, to do good sometime accounted dangerous folly. Fair and foul indeed. And a few lines later, she and the rest of her family are slaughtered in front of us. The word fear, or fears, appears 43 times in this short play, compared to 22 times in the longer tragedy, Othello. By this stage in the story, fear has spread everywhere, and this short, brutal scene shows us in the most powerful and graphic way the effects of Macbeth's tyrannous rule. Quotation number two. Yet who would have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him? This is spoken by Lady Macbeth in The Sleepwalking Scene, Act 5, Scene 1. This play is soaked in blood. The word blood or its variants appear 38 times in the text. Compare this to another play in which blood features prominently the merchant of Venice just 16 times. And this moment is the culmination of what Macbeth said in horror in Act 2, Scene 3, speaking from the heart, but only omitting his own responsibility. Here lay Duncan, his silver skin laced with his golden blood, and his gashed stabs looked like a breach in nature for ruin's wasteful entrance. It was this breach through which all that blood flowed out. And of course, Lady Macbeth's words also hark back to one of the most memorable images in the play. When in the murder scene, Act 2, Scene 2, he looks at his hands and asks, Will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hand? And he answers it himself immediately, No, this my hand will rather the multitudinous seas incarnadine, making the green one red. He understands this immediately, whereas Lady Macbeth quickly dismissed his concerns with a little water clears us of this deed. By Act 3, Scene 4, he admitted I am in blood, stepped in so far that should I wade no more, returning were as tedious as go o'er. What Lady Macbeth admits in our quotation, number two, but only in her dream is that it, that murder, did indeed open Pandora's box and you can't ever close that again. Quotation 3. Unnatural deeds do breed unnatural troubles. This is, of course, the doctor in the sleepwalking scene, Act 5, Scene 1. You could even make a case for this being the key quotation in the play. It's like a mathematical formula. Unnatural deeds equal unnatural troubles. They do breed them. There's no escaping or hiding from this. This quotation takes us back to what I considered the key speech in the play in Podcast 1, the soliloquy beginning, If it were done, when 'tis done, in Act 1, Scene 7. He was right in that speech. The murder of Duncan would indeed result in deep damnation and the destruction of the natural order, and everything that has followed since has confirmed this. Trouble is another key word and idea in the play notably picked out in the witch's chant, Double, double, toil and trouble. And this provides a link to quotation four, which focuses on how troubles created by unnatural deeds can become embedded in an individual psyche. So here it is, quotation number four. Canst thou not minister to a mind diseased, pluck from the memory a rooted sorrow, raise out the written troubles of the brain? Answer. Macbeth says this to the doctor in Act 5, Scene 3, when the latter tells him that Lady Macbeth is troubled with thick-coming fancies that keep her from her rest. When Macbeth responds, he seems to be talking about his wife. Cure her of that. Canst thou not minister to a mind diseased, pluck from the memory a rooted sorrow, raise out the written troubles of the brain, and with some sweet, oblivious antidote, cleanse the stuffed bosom of that perilous stuff which weighs upon the heart? But these lines are so intense, so fraught with personal insight, that actually he really seems to be talking about himself. We know what his rooted sorrow is. After he murdered the king, he said when he heard the knocking, Wake Duncan with thy knocking, I would thou couldst. And ever since he has been trying to run away from and stop thinking about that sorrow, that regret, the loss of his soul. He knows exactly what a mind diseased is like. And the doctor seems to pick up on this in his use of the male pronoun in his answer. Therein the patient must minister to himself. Quotation number five next. But now I am cabined, cribbed, confined, bound in to saucy doubts and fears. Spoken by Macbeth in Act 3, Scene 4, when he hears from the murderers that they have let Fleance escape. Those three bitterly alliterated words on the K sound, cabined, cribbed, confined, emphasise his full realisation of, that his life has not turned out as he expected. He believed that by becoming king, he would achieve anything and everything he wanted. Happiness, fulfilment, freedom. Instead, that deed has done the opposite for him, and now he is trapped. What seemed ages ago like making a free choice, a choice made with completely open eyes, has turned out disastrously. And now he's trying the impossible, to stamp out all the consequences. After these words he says, Then comes my fit again. I had else been perfect, whole as the marble, founded as the rock, as broad and general as the casing air. But he's deluding himself. He wouldn't have ever been perfect. Nothing will ever make him so again. And every step he takes now leads him further into darkness, not away from it. The critic Charles Moseley says that Macbeth is, quote, a being making an initial and entirely wrong free choice, and gradually that is rendered less and less free by the consequences of the choice, to the point where he is unable to escape the prison of his own self. What is striking about Macbeth is the self-awareness he shows in his own destruction. He knows exactly what he is doing and is at all stages aware of his own progress so we're halfway through next quotation six oftentimes to win us to our harm the instruments of darkness tell us truths this is spoken by Banquo in act one scene three after the first meeting with the witches wise words indeed and Banquo serves a central function in the play as a foil to Macbeth as Charles Mosley puts it Quote, the moral sense and caution shown by banquo are constantly emphasized by shakespeare to highlight the freedom of choice both men enjoy having one character who did not give way enormously heightens our perception of the one who did as banquo says in act 2 scene 1 merciful powers restrain in me the cursed thoughts that nature gives way to in repose so here's a man who's tempted but who is able to restrain himself. And he does so by using his morality and conscience, or as Macbeth himself puts it, the pauser reason. He stops to think. Banquo is a very inconvenient figure for Macbeth, not just because he was there when the witches made their initial prophecies and thus he has his suspicions, but because of his character. Macbeth's fears in Banquo stick deep, and in his royalty of nature reigns that which would be feared. So he determines to rid himself of this discomforting reminder. Quotation 7 I another, so wearied with disasters, tugged with fortune, that I would set my life on any chance to mend it or to be rid of it. No, nope, it's not Macbeth, as of course you knew, but you'd be forgiven for thinking so. Of course, it's actually the first murderer in Act 3, Scene 1, but it does, of course, remind us of the central character. A man who has become weary of life, as he repeatedly says in Act 5, he's lost all enthusiasm for it, it has come to signify nothing. And who recklessly is ready to gamble anything now, who has stopped calculating and even thinking. And the second murderer, in trying to persuade his master that he can be trusted, has just said that he is one whom the vile blows and buffets of the world have so incense that I am reckless what I do to spite the world. Remind you of anyone again? What does this little scene with the murderers show us? A man reduced to their level. Earlier, he commented on how little they were like men, but he himself made the definitive statement on being a man, a human, earlier to his wife. I dare do all that may become a man. Who dares do more is none. In other words, everything that is appropriate for a man to do, and if you go further, you've dehumanised yourself. Exactly. And he dares to criticise the murderers. Quotation 8. Tis safer to be that which we destroy than by destruction dwell in doubtful joy. Spoken by Lady Macbeth in Act 3, Scene 2, a short but powerful and significant scene in which she desperately and often tenderly tries to get through to her husband, tries to get close to him again. This scene is discussed in more depth in our second podcast, The Real Lady Macbeth. It shows a woman scared by how things have spiralled out of control, by how she has lost contact with her husband. She has to ask a servant to see him at the start of the scene. And at the end of this scene, no doubt to her bewilderment, her husband says, Be innocent of the knowledge, dearest Chuck, till thou applaud the deed, and talks about darkness taking over the universe. From now on, their relationship disintegrates, not because of any ordinary emotional trouble between them, but because Macbeth is in a universe of his own where she can't reach of him, and the only members of this club are people who know what it's like to kill others, and who fully realise the awful consequences. Quotation number nine. Bountless temperance in nature is a tyranny. It has been the untimely emptying of the happy throne. This was spoken by MacDuff in Act four, scene three, the England scene replying to Malcolm's persistent testing. Macduff here hits on one of the central ideas of the play, that we must keep everything in order, that bounds should not be broken, that intemperance in the will results in disaster, especially in a king. This, of course, is exactly what Macbeth has done, a man who cannot control himself. The natural order has been disrupted, and everywhere we see images of this. In Act Two, Scene Four, Ross says that quote, Duncan's horses, a thing most strange and certain, beauteous and swift, the minions of their race, turned wild in nature, broke their stalls, flung out, contending against obedience, as they would make war with mankind, so these most beautiful horses have broken out from their stalls from their place, as Lady Macbeth says to Macbeth at the end of the banquet scene with more truth than she herself recognises. You have displaced the mirth, broke the good meeting, with most admired disorder. Then again that word broke. Earlier Macduff had announced Duncan's death by saying, Confusion now hath made his masterpiece, most sacrilegious murder hath broke ope, the Lord's anointed temple, and stole thence the life of the building. And so we get to number ten. Even now, to crown my thoughts with acts, be it thought and done. Said, of course, by Macbeth in Act Five, sorry, Act Four, Scene One, when he hears from Lennox that Macduff has fled to England before he could be assassinated. From now on, Macbeth is determined to act on impulse. He has just said that, from this moment, the very firstlings of my heart shall be the firstlings of my hand. I'm going to end with the words of Tony Tanner in his Everyman Edition introduction to the play about this quotation. He wants to bypass conscience and reflection entirely and translate impulse immediately into deed. Language itself is of course the prime pauser or instrument of pausing. While you are talking or writing about it, you are not doing it. Words defer. He seeks increasingly to live and move entirely in the realm of deeds and lose himself in a life of unreflective action, be it thought undone, instantaneously, no gaps or pauses. So that's it. I tot up your marks. I presume you got 20 out of 20 for spotting who said the quotations and in what context, which will give you plenty of confidence for the exam. If not, go back to the text. And a little word of advice here as you come up to the last week or two before your exam. A really good way of refreshing yourself about the play is to listen to a recording. Much better than watching a film. Just concentrate on the words. That's all that matters in your exam.